Let's just go to the Lord in prayer real quick as we get a closer time together. Father, we come before you right now and just ask you that you would prepare our hearts, our minds for your word. We pray that you will just give us a heart willing to obey you. And um, we thank you for this time to have this weekend as man just to open your word, to be challenged by your principles and precepts that you teach us from your word. Uh, bless this time that's when you share, that will be your words, and that uh, you'll do the work in our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Just quickly to summarize the uh, last two sessions, um, we start off talking about integrity and why it's so important as a cornerstone of your faith. Um, without it, we're really nothing. Uh, the basics of our devotion life, our Bible reading, our prayer life, being obedient to God, the simple things. And how we're at war as men and always having to stand up and fight a battle. Are you ready for that? Then we talk about being the image bearers of God Himself and how important that is as we um, protect those that God has given to us to entrust. And then we talk about the enemy trying to steal, kill, and destroy in our lives what God would intend to give us. Last time we talked about uh, being engraved on God's hand and uh, God sees. Uh, so he looks at his hand. Uh, we defined integrity and what that actually meant. Then we looked at uh, the illustration of the soldiers listening to one voice, trusting that voice and doing what the commander tells them to do. And then we end up, God knows those who are his. Because he knows that, if we name his name, then we have to depart from all dignity. We have Josiah as an example for us to follow. So today, we are bring all to the conclusion here. And our theme verse, of course, is Hebrews 10, 39, but let's back up one verse before that, Hebrews 10, 38, as we go. This says, But my righteous one shall live by faith, and if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who will shrink back or destroy, but of those who have faith that preserve their souls. This whole subject of integrity, and you look at this verse here, and it says, you know, we shrink back. What causes us to shrink back? What does that look like? Well, in my mind, it would be a lack of integrity is what causes us to shrink back what we used to do. Where we live with mixed standards, we live with that double life. We have those principles we have in church, those principles that we hold out of church. And those two do not mix. And so that's what causes us to slip up, make mistakes, and shrink back to what we used to be. But this has to have a starting place somewhere in our life. So where does that place start? Well, I believe it starts in our minds, because this is where the battles are won and lost, period. So these battles we face as men on a daily basis are won and lost, or begin and end in our minds. And I'm going to get this a little further on as we go on. Um, today we're going to talk about uh, the theme of this summer was called Beach Battle. And uh, we're going to learn what that meant in a second here. And it's kind of like all of us can have this moment in our life when we face a battle that we have to determine how we approach it. So we're going to call it a Beach Battle because you understand why in a little bit. And we're going to learn about what a quit option means. And uh, we all have this option in life that we think we can take, where we just give up and we end up shrinking back. 
So before we move on, just remember that we have to start becoming what God would have us be and stop just imagining that we're that person that can do those things eventually. We just start doing that now. And uh, in 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5, this is where the battle begins. It says, For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and take every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. That is the battle right there. Now what we, want, what we like to do is, in our flesh, we think we can fight these battles. Because we're guys, that's what we do. We fight, we go out, and we do things. And so many times we try to fight a spiritual battle in our flesh, and we end up just beating ourselves up instead of taking our hands off and realizing that we cannot do anything in our flesh to accomplish it. It has to be God, that through His power, we have that power through Him, it says, to destroy strongholds. Not just make a dent in them. We have the power through God to destroy these strongholds that are in our life that we fight with flesh and fail. So this starts with our thoughts. Taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. So we have the ability to determine what we're going to do. We have that ability in us. Now, we allow our thoughts to fester and grow, then our thoughts eventually become our actions. And, uh, you know, here I am, the director of Camp Mahalas. I'm a Christian. I'm a married man, happily married for 17 years. But what if I allowed my mind to dwell in the world of pornography? What if I allowed my mind to entertain fantasy thoughts with other women? What if I allowed these things to grow and grow and grow, start to act these things out of my mind? As a Christian man, director of Camp Bahamas Ministries, how long do you think it would be before those thoughts and those fantasies become reality? And say presents with an opportunity in the flesh. You all decided, I've already played it out in my mind. I've already crossed that line mentally. So hard, how hard would it be for me as a man to take the next step over? And we see it every day. You know, I told you about a friend of mine been in the ministry almost 30 years. Crossed the line. Because he allowed his mind to do things he shouldn't be doing. So we all have that potential to be great. We all have the potential, if we allow our minds to, to go wrong, to go backwards. Now let's talk about Navy SEALs. And now you'll be thinking, what the Navy SEALs have to do with a bunch of hanging men sitting in Tarpon Bay on the beach? <coughs> a lot to do with you. So we're learning a little bit today about Navy SEALs. Now, in my opinion, it's just my opinion, as I found out my opinion about hamburgers and cheeseburgers isn't really accurate, um, right here. My opinion is that Navy SEALs are probably the most elite trained forces in the world. These guys, are bad. There's things that we don't even know about them that they do that would just make us shudder in our sleep. But these guys are bad. They're, they use crazy intense training to weed out the ones that are cut out for. Now, if you take a hundred men that are trying to be a Navy SEAL, these guys just aren't your average guys. These guys grow up with that in their mind, they're going to be a Navy SEAL. So they just, they just wake up and go, oh, we're going to try out do this. These guys are tough, these guys are strong, these guys are you know, athletic, these guys have everything that you want physically in a warrior. But out of every hundred, only 27% make it. Only 27, 27 out of 100 make it. That's low. 
these are guys that are tough. Now, out of that 27% that make it, there's another level of Navy SEALs. That's the elite, the, the special ops guys. Only half of that make it to that level. So you have your Navy SEALs, which are bad enough. Then you have the, the next level, which is the, uh, the elite ones. Now, the quit option. In Navy SEAL training, they have during Hell Week. And you can see all, they have shows about this stuff. Though. You watch it, you, you see these guys go through this stuff called Hell Week, where they're almost there. They've gone through weeks and weeks of training. They only have one week to go. And they put them through the most intense, grueling training that you could possibly go through. And it's designed for a purpose to break the mind. So that's why they only 27% 20, make it, because they're broken. Now, in that week, this is in, I think, California. Carlsbad, California, something like that. They have this uh, base there where they do all the training. And there's a bell that's set up there by the beach or the barracks or whatever. And anytime during the training where a Navy SEAL has had enough, he gives up, he's quitting, all he has to do is go over there and ring the bell. And he's done. No questions asked, pack your bags, thank you for coming, you know, you stop doing that. And uh, to reach that point mentally, it's got to be pretty intense because you went into this knowing that you would be a Navy SEAL, you're the last week of this, and you can't do it. So you go ring the bell. It's called a quit option. They allow them to do that. Now, uh, over a year ago, we had some big news in the world. Now there's a big movie out uh, about the Zero Dark Thirty, about the uh, Osama bin Laden. So we all know <laughs> and have seen what happened to Osama bin Laden. The Navy SEAL Team 6 went in the Dark Knight special helicopters. It was uh, almost 100% successful. They lost the helicopter going in. But no man was killed. They got their guys, bag, tag, dead, out they went. And they did, you know, quietness. It's amazing what they did. That was successful. That made the world rejoice. Everyone rejoice. Anyone who was for, you know, the, the against terrorism rejoiced in that feat. Those guys were there with 100% surgical precision, took them all out, and got out of there. That was very successful. But. There was a day in Navy SEAL history back in 2005, it was the deadliest day in Navy SEAL history. In one day, the Navy SEALs lost 20 SEALs. These just weren't the regular SEAL guys, these were the elite guys. So we're talking about the deadliest day in Navy SEAL history, what happened. We know about this day because there's one survivor. And there's a book out by him uh, called Lone Survivor. It's called, his name is Marcus Luttrell. He was the only guy to survive this day, and he wrote a book to tell about it. So we're going to learn about this story and how all this relates to integrity, how this relates to the strength of the mind, and relates to us as Christian men. Um, they had these four guys, Navy SEALs, on a recon mission in Afghanistan. Now, none of us live in Afghanistan or have probably been, but the mountains of Afghanistan are horrible. I mean, the Russians fought Afghanistan for decades and could not win. So the mountain there is very dangerous, it's, it's cold environment, it's, it's rocky, it's, you know, it's, you don't want to go there. These four guys are in the mountains of Afghanistan looking for Osama bin Laden. So they have this village that they think he's in, their job is to go in there, find a place in the mountainside, encamp there, take photos, video, get information and come back. So they're going out there and drop them in the undercover night, they drop them down where they think this place is, and they leave the helicopter. But they're not in the exact place where they need to be. They have to hike about a mile or two to get to where they can see this village. So
So they get there, they get settled in the perfect hiding spot, they can't be seen, and uh, all of a sudden, right before daybreak, this big fog line comes in, covers the whole area. They can't see the, the town. So they have to pack their stuff up and move quickly, quietly. So they get to a place, another couple miles, a little lower, not as protected, uh, not the ideal situation where they have to fulfill their mission. So there on this mountainside, not as well covered, but they can see the village, they start to set up in this area. And uh, here they are, taking video, taking pictures, and out of nowhere, out of nowhere, they hear all these goats. Mm. Hundreds of goats. And they realize they're in the path of goat herders that are just walking along the mountainside with their goats. They hear the bells or whatever. And before they realize it, they're surrounded by goats. And they look up, and these, these two, two guys and a boy that are goat herders, and they see them. Now they have an option here. Their training tells them they have to kill these guys. They're both, it's a six-year-old boy. They can't let them live, because they let them live, they're gonna be found out, their mission's finished. So they tie these guys up, put them on the rock, put the boy there, and these goats roll over the place. And they debated this for, they say what seemed like hours, but it wasn't. What should they do? And you know, the mentality of these guys is one guy's like, kill them, do it, you know, I'll do it. Next guy is, you know, I don't know, it's up to you. So the boat came down to Marcus the Trout, and he was the, the commander in charge of these guys. And he said, guys, here's the deal. We can kill these guys. And we're justified to do that. We're at war, we have to do what we have to do. He said, but if we kill them, we will own up to it. When we go back, we'll tell them exactly what happened, and we won't be murderers. He says, we're not gonna do this and not own up to it. We have to be men of integrity. And um, he says, or, we can let us go. And so they all said, whatever you say, we'll do. So he decided, we'll let him go. He said, we're not going to do, you know, we're not be murderers here. We're going to let him go. Knowing that this was the wrong decision. So here are these guys, let these go-herders go. They go walking down the mountain, past the camp. They realize they have limited time. So they're going to go tell the Taliban where these guys are. And they have to get out of there. So they pack up, they hike out there, you know, for a couple hours. They're moving down the way. They sit, they're waiting. About an hour later, all of a sudden they hear men rushing. It's about 150 to 200 Taliban warriors, armed with teeth, rocket grenade launchers, machine guns. They're swarming them out and looking at these guys. Obviously, they were told that they weren't. So here they are. They realize they're in a fight now. There's no running. They can't just run down the mountain. You know, you have to fight. So they set up, they get ready to go, they have their positions set, and the fight, the fight begins. The grenades are flying everywhere, rocket things are flying everywhere, machine guns are spinning off the rocks all around them, they start shooting them. They're very precise, so they do, there's no waste bullets like like an untrained soldier does. It's like, go, go, go. And they start dropping Taliban all over the place. And they're sitting there fighting. And as they're fighting, you have to remember, it's just four of them. And there's about 150, 200 men trying to surround them and get them their back or whatever. So they're constantly having to fight and move, fight and move. And the process of doing this, it seems like hours, they start getting hit. I mean, they're not, they're not Superman, you know, they don't have that, they don't have a shield, you know, they're, they're guys. And the odds are great, they're still fighting, they start to get hit, they keep fighting, they keep fighting. And as they're fighting, they keep, they, they shoot these rocket grenade things and hit the mountainside and blow them off the mountain, they slide down. 40, 50 feet to the next spot, they stopped. And Marcus Luttrell told the story that every time he slid down 40 or 50 feet, whatever it was, 
you know, tumbling down his mountainside, caught himself with his gun, would slide and stop right next to him. Like it was meant to be there. They pick it up and they start fighting again. They told one story that uh, he got hit with a grenade inside of it. It was so hard and so powerful, it blew his pants off of him. His pants literally got blown off. So here he is, no pants, shrapnel all in him. His buddy's taking shots and they're still fighting. Now, eventually, one of them gets killed. Got shot in the head or something like that. So they drag the body. Long as they keep my front of the camel still fighting, sliding down, still fighting, another guy gets hit. And he still fights as much as he can. They're trying to radio for help. You know, we're under attack, we need backup immediately. So the story about this is there was a guy who was supposed to be with them, so he was fifth man, but he was sick, he had the flu or something like that. When the call came in, they didn't think the call went in because they didn't get any response back to the mountains. When the call went in and they were in trouble, he was the first one on the helicopter, ready to go. So the battle's continuing. Another guy's killed. They're dragging these two guys on the left, are bloody, no pants. Right now, Marcus and Charles' broken leg. They're still dragging these guys, the bodies, because their motto is do not leave your brother behind. They're dragging these guys, they're fighting, getting positioned where they think they can fight. They're still dropping Taliban all over the place. And um, the helicopter comes in. Right when it hits the ground, these 17. Uh, 16 seals get on fight plus a pilot. So it touches the ground, the rock grenade shoots right in the middle of it, blows up the whole helicopter, kills everyone on board. So there's no help. It's just him now. Because the third guy is dead. It's just him by himself. He can't drag three guys by himself. He has to make a decision to keep fighting and come back to them later on. So he keeps fighting, he goes on, and uh, when, they, when they came back and got the guys later on after the story ends, the one guy he thought was dead, the last guy, they actually found his body about 120 yards away from where he had left it. And he still had his gun with him, he had still been fighting. So although he thought he was dead, this guy kept fighting. So he could have quit any time. This was the deadliest day in Navy SEAL history. Here's a soldier, a warrior, who's bloody, he has shrapnel all through him, he's got a broken leg, no pants. You know, his buddies are dead, he's by himself, and Taliban all over is trying to kill this guy. The story goes on to say it's almost dark, and he's by himself. And he's actually found a place of mountain to hide on a ravine across where he was. And he's under these bushes, and he thinks he's pretty well hidden. These guys are still looking for him all over the side, if you can see him. And uh, he tells a story that a guy, one of the guys comes to the side of the cliff, and he's looking right across where he is. They got the gun and they're looking. And so he has his gun too, and he's, he's right at it. And he said, when it comes to the time where he saw the guy looking when he fell right at him, there's sir. The guy's head blew right off and he fell down the mountainside. His two buddies come running, they're looking too, they're trying to find out where the shot came from. And he goes, they both drop. Then that was nighttime. The story goes on, it tells how he made it eventually to a village. They took him in, they bandaged him up, whatever, and you know, eventually they came and got him. But this guy had every excuse in the world to quit. He had every excuse in the world to just say, I've had enough. This is beyond human capability. This is crazy. And he could just said, I'm done. But here's the philosophy of the Navy SEALs. I want you to listen to this and grasp what they're about. So when you think of integrity, you think about, you know, these men, the, the, in this book he talks about being a Christian. But most of these guys, you know, they're just, they're just warriors. But here's their, their philosophy. It says, this is their creed. In times of uncertainty, there's a special breed of warrior, ready to answer our nation's call. 
a common man with uncommon desire to succeed. Forged by adversity, he stands alongside America's finest special operations forces to serve his country and the American people and to protect their way of life. I am that man. I will never quit. I persevere and thrive on adversity. My nation expects me to be physically harder and mentally stronger than my enemies. If not down, I will get back up every time. I will draw on every remaining ounce of strength to protect my teammates and accomplish our mission. I am never out of a fight. We trade for war and fight to win. I stand ready to bring the full spectrum of combat power to bear in order to achieve my mission, the goals established by my country. The execution of my duties will be swift and violent whenever required, yet guided by the very principles I serve to defend. Brave men have fought and died building a proud tradition of fear and reputation that I am bound to uphold. In the worst of conditions, the legacy of my teammates steadies my resolve and silently guides my every need. I will not fail. That is why he didn't quit. That is why he refused to give up. That is why at that mountainside, alone, bloody, broken leg, no pants, full of shrapnel, he kept fighting. Now let's go back to the beach where he left about uh, the training going on, where his beach battle occurred for him. This was the middle of Hell Week, almost to the end, and they're almost, to the, almost there. One of their guys who was the strongest, who was the leader of the group, what you would call the perfect soldier in his mind, in Marcus Luttrell's mind. All of a sudden, out of nowhere, this guy breaks. He starts going towards the battle. And these guys don't understand what's going on. This is their leader. This is the guy who they look to as being the one. And so they all go to their commanding officer. They're like, you know, stop him. You know, he does not realize what he's doing. He, he doesn't know. You got to stop him. He's on, you know, he's, he's a, a soldier. And uh, here's what the guy said to him. He said, we can stop him from ringing the bell. We can talk him out of it. He said, but he'll go back and do it again. He's already crossed that place in mind where he allowed himself to quit. He says, forever, he'll do that. He said, so we, we don't stop him. And so Mark Luttrell, that was his beach battle. He decided right there and then, he said, I would rather die on this beach right now than ever quit, than ever give up. And that was his resolving moment. That was his beach battle. His body was made up. So that's the how, when, where, why for him. Now for us, we all have our battles we face. We call beach battles, whatever you want to call them. We all have our battles we face. And we all have options in our life where maybe we're giving up. Maybe we quit. Maybe we decided that particular sin is just too hard to keep fighting. And why bother? But there's got to come a time and place in our life where we can stand and say, you know, then this is it. I will never, never, I'd rather die right now than ever dishonor God again with this sin. And we have to mean that. Let's look at the life of Paul, real quick. Acts 20, 23 to 24. So when we looked at this guy, Davy Seal Mark Luttrell, now we look at Paul. Except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonment and afflictions await me. But I do not account my life any value, nor as precious to myself, if only I may finish my course in the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus, to testify the gospel of the grace of God. Then he moves down to 2 Corinthians 11, 23-28. Are they servants of Christ? I am a better one. I am talking, am I talking like a madman? 
with far greater labors, with far more prisoners, with countless beatings, often near death. Five times I received the hands of the Jews with forty lashes less one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and day I was adrift at sea, on frequent journeys in, my, in, in dangers of rivers, dangers from robbers, dangers from my own people, dangers from Gentiles, danger from the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers, in toil and hardship, through many a sleepless night, in hunger and thirst, often without food, and cold and exposure, and apart from other things, this is the daily pressure of me and the anxiety of all the churches. Not out of Philippians 3, 12 and 14. Not that I have already obtained this, or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own, because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal and prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. I think Paul would qualify as an ABC. You know, there was uh, no good option in him. You look at the list of his life, what he went through, there was never going to ring a bell saying, oh, I didn't get stoned, stop, you know, I'm good, you know. Being beat with uh, the 33 times, no, five times, beat with the 39 lashes. That ain't, that ain't light. That's serious. You know, all these things he did, he did not have a he didn't have a good option. So you know if you go back to us, do we have a place in our life where we have given up? Talk about integrity this weekend. Do we have a place where we allow our integrity to fall? We allow the watchman of our eyes, the watchman of our ears, the watchman of our mouth to fall and give it to what we know we should not give it to. Maybe we need a beach experience like Martin Latrell had, where we decide right here, right now, that we will never would rather die right now than dishonor God again. Remember, but you are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed. You are of those who have faith and preserve your souls. You see, we can't shrink back as men. We can't afford to shrink back as men. We can't afford to quit. We can't afford to go ring a bell and say, ah, that's too hard. We can't afford to do that. Our integrity is at stake. Everything we represent as men is at stake. Our church, our families, you know, our legacies that we leave behind are all at stake. You know, we can't, like my brother, God, there's nothing left of him. There's no legacy, there's nothing left to say he would did anything of accomplishment of this earth. You know, I don't want to be that kind of person when I die and say, what did he leave behind of God? Where was his footprint for Jesus? You know, we should all be men that our integrity, when we, we die, that at our funeral, whatever they have for us, a party or whatever, it's a party for me, you know, that they just say, you know what? He had integrity, you know? I remember hearing a preacher one time in the Bahamas, uh, I was visiting the church, he was saying, you know, don't, don't look to me and follow me. You know, you should look at a guy like Billy Graham. He's got his act, you know, follow him. And to me, it just struck a chord, like how sad it is for a pastor of a church to say, don't look at my life, don't follow me. You know, but I want to tell my campers that come to camp, they can look at me, they can follow me because I'm following Christ. And hopefully my life represents integrity, and if there's area that isn't have integrity, you know, that we can as brothers keep each other accountable. You know, me and Jared talked the other day about accountability. 
you know, the illustration goes back to me and Andrea. If I did not have accountability in my life somewhere, you know, as a man, stick it quietly, sneak in, very subtly. It'd be very innocent at first. And they see that it grows, it grows, it grows, and pretty soon you don't recognize that sin anymore. So this is where integrity becomes the backbone of us as men. And uh, we as men have learned now to remove the good option from our life. We don't have a good option. We don't have the opportunity to say, it'll work itself out. I'm not worried about it. We have to take a stand, draw a line in the sand. Hopefully those will be facing Taliban fighters, you know, but we face a lot worse. We face the demon forces of hell that come against us daily. But just remember what I read back there. We don't fight this in our flesh. We don't fight this with what we can do with our hands. We fight this with spiritual forces that are beyond us. So I hope this weekend was challenging for you. I hope that integrity now means something more than it did. I hope that you can go home now knowing that you know you fight for something greater than yourself. You fight for Jesus Christ, first of all. And you fight for all those who are looking at you as an example to follow. Let's pray. Father, we thank you again for this opportunity you had this man just to open your word. We thank you for the examples you lived to these uh, fighting warriors and Navy SEALs who give selflessly their lives to defend the nation. And uh, the example of Marcus Luttrell and uh, the determination and integrity he has a man not to quit when he could have. And uh, we thank you even more for a man like Paul who uh, represents everything in the Christian life that we could ever hope to strive to be, who had no quit option, no ringing the bell in his life, and uh, just was all about you, nothing else but you. And for the best example of all is your son, Jesus Christ, who far exceeds anything we can ever hope to become, but gives us a goal to aim for. But help us to stop just imagining that we can be great for you, and help us start doing right now today the steps that need to be taken to become that man that he wants to be. I pray for every man in this room as they go back to their families, their wives, their children, uh, their homes, and their lives, they start their days tomorrow that they'll walk each step in integrity, that they'll look with their eyes to integrity, they'll listen to their ears to integrity, they'll speak to their vows to integrity, and their actions will reflect your son. We ask this all in his precious name. Amen.